2: Do you want to record a podcast?
1: Let's do it. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500 ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for
0: football, hockey, and basketball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call six 650- 514361120 or visit ticketkingonline.com
2: For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I'm joined, as always, by Derek Wetmore for our midweek game preview. This week, we're going to be looking at the Minnesota Vikings trying to bounce back against the slumping Atlanta Falcons. They'll be traveling to the Georgia Dome to play on Sunday. We're going to look at how the Vikings need to rebound. Uh, some early playoff implications for this one and how these 2015 Falcons are not your 2014 Falcons, if you remember Teddy Bridgewater's first career start when he put up 41 points on them. We're going to look at how the Falcons have changed, how the Vikings have changed, and what this game means. So, Derek, i got to start off with the news, though. Christian Ponder signs of the yeah. Denver Broncos. Well, we'll get over this quickly, but, I mean, it's a happy Thanksgiving to all, is it not?
2: How could you have forgotten that off the top of the episode?
1: <laughs> like, You're, I should have led with that right? I was burying the Andrew, lead
2: <laughs> I don't remember if you and I took this journalism class together but we definitely were in the class at the U when one of our professors taught us the very basic principle of not burying the
1: lead <laughs> you might have just buried the lead Christian Ponder man he's one injury away to Brock Osweiler uh, of starting another NFL game.
2: It's incredible. Well, the story in journalism class was about how you got eaten by a bear.
1: Eaten, eight <laughs> Eaten, yeah,
2: eaten. <laughs> and you just started telling the story. Yeah, I got together with my friends. We went camping. We were planning a whole weekend thing. There was this picnic. We decided to go for a hike. It was a beautiful sunny August day and Yeah, then we were walking back and anyways. Andrew got eaten by a bear.
1: <laughs> you know, though, that in future journalism classes, they're going to tell that same story, but it's going to end. And then Christian Ponder got signed. <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 You got to back that up. Right. No, they just say,
2: and then Christian Ponder won a Super Bowl.
1: Oh, boy. Well, he's got the best defense he's ever played with there in Denver should he get yep. the chance. But... Christian Ponder is not going to be playing in this game. Obviously, on Sunday, where the Vikings, who currently sit with the top wild card spot, now you know I'm sure some people roll their eyes and say there's still six games to go, but sure. wild card spots are, are de- or decided. Have I head to head matchups? If there's a tie, and the Falcons sit at number six and the Vikings sit at number five, so this one is going to have some playoff implications. This is the home stretch here, and the Vikings are going to face a couple bona fide wild card teams. Because let's face it. The Vikings showed last Sunday they can't hang with Green Bay, and we'll, we'll see if they'll be able to down the stretch. But Green Bay's got an easier schedule, so the chances of them climbing ahead of them in the record uh, before January 3rd seems slim, and then the Falcons aren't going to catch the 10-0 and Panthers. So these are two essentially bona fide wild card teams, it feels like, and that's going to have an implication here on Sunday's results should they tie at the end of the season. Um, I think the Falcons, though, they're a team that's slumping just like the Packers were. And so you kind of have the same kind of danger, but they don't have Aaron Rodgers. So in, in yeah. my opinion, Rodgers is the one that really lifted the Packers last Sunday. Uh, you see this, though, this is one of the most winnable ones of the upcoming three, I think, for the Minnesota Vikings, because after this one, they face the Seahawks and the Cardinals within about a five-day stretch because they play yeah. the Cardinals on Thursday night. So it's going to be a tough stretch for them. I think this game is pretty important, Derek, for what the Vikings are trying to do, specifically going into de- going into December and then January.
2: Right, sure. Well, and wouldn't you argue it's two teams sort of trying to rebound? Uh, the Vikings from their loss to the Packers, the Falcons from their recent play, generally speaking. Um, it, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that we talk about in this podcast in terms of the matchup, but just from the perspective of having to kind of bounce back, I sort of view these two teams in a similar spot in that way.
1: Oh, absolutely. The Falcons are one and four in their last five games. Their only win in the last five, I think, came against it. Uh, I think it was ten and seven over the Tennessee Titans. This is and it goes back to what I just referenced at the beginning. These aren't your twenty fourteen Falcons that are giving up fifty points a game like they did last year. Dan Quinn, the the defensive coordinator from Seattle that built the Legion of Boom and helped help create that stout defense for years he's the one that came over to Atlanta and basically changed uh, what they did there defensively. You can tell the scheme. I think uh, you were at the press conference or you were at Winter Park with Mike Zimmer said today that he sees similarities between what Seattle did and what they're doing and what Atlanta is doing now. And it's, it's it works. Atlanta is one of the top uh, defensive teams in the NFL in nearly every category, including uh, the best team against the run, allowing just 3.6 yards per carry. These aren't the Falcons of old, but, that means at the same time that their offense is obviously struggling. Matt Ryan threw three picks last week. I believe he's got six interceptions in his last four games. Uh, they got 18 fumbles. They're just dropping the ball left and right. Uh, and so for this Vikings team to kind of bounce back, I mean, what you want to see them do, you want to see them get back to mistake-free football, but you kind of look at the opportunities they might have in Atlanta, and they might actually be able to get a few takeaways. So they've, I think the Vikings' defense is good as they've been fundamentally. They haven't created a lot of plays, and for an mm-hmm. offense that's struggled, they, they got to try and do that, and I think Atlanta might give them a good shot. But you're right. Uh, Matt Ryan's struggling. The Falcons in general are slumping right now, uh, and I think the Vikings have a good chance. It was weird because I saw something on Twitter, and it said something like the Vikings are going for their fourth straight road win. And as close as I follow this team, you think I know that, and I went, wait, no, that, that can't be right. Went back and kind of looked at it. I was like, yeah, obviously they are, with having beaten Detroit, okay. Chicago, and then uh, in Oakland. So they, they could get their fourth straight row, and I think it's a good shot for them to do it. And like I said, this upcoming one for their next couple games, it, it might be one of their easier games when you look at the schedule down the stretch.
2: Sure. Well, and the obvious one, Andrew, is Julio Jones, but there are other people on offense that you are looking at from the Vikings' perspective that might present some challenges, even though Matt Ryan is slumping a little.
1: Oh, yeah. I think when you're looking at uh Devonta Freeman with the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, the Falcons have a lot of different pieces. The Vikings, though, obviously, you've got to lean on Adrian Peterson, and it's going to be interesting to see. You saw Adrian run for 125 yards against the Rams' stout defense. Well, the Falcons are kind of right up there in terms of what they allow. Uh They're right up there with the Broncos, too, even though I don't think they have anywhere near the personnel that the Broncos do. The Falcons are getting it done, uh, just 3.6 yards per rush allowed. Uh, and I think those Vikings, though, you want to see Teddy Bridgewater get going, but at the same time, you gotta lean on Adrian. And, and it, the big question mark that came out of Sunday's game, uh, Sunday's loss to the Packers, were how do you just get Adrian 13 carries? Like I get it, you were down 16 to six at halftime, but there's a reason why Adrian spouted off. It, it, he sounded like a guy that had four carries in the fir- in the second half, and, and he, for good reason because he's the highest paid running back in the league, and you kind of really got away from him. And especially when your offensive line's playing as poorly in pass protection as the Vikings are you got to get Teddy Bridgewater some help there and have him hand off the ball. You can't have him drop back 47 times like he did on Sunday, especially when it was a two-score game for most of it. So I want to see their philosophy shift back to Adrian when they go to Atlanta, even though the Falcons have one of the best run defenses in the NFL because uh, we've seen the Vikings kind of plow through that before, even behind this mediocre offensive line. But flipping to the other side, we're talking about Devonta Freeman, a guy who, if you play fantasy football, like 75% of America seems to do. <laughs> Devonta Freeman's Is it the guy 75%? that if you, you're right. It might be now if you believe like all the DraftKings and all that other commercials and stuff. God, you would think it's 99, percent but <laughs> De- Devonta Freeman, man, he's the guy that I think half the people who play it dropped at the beginning of the year because sure. Kevin Coleman was the starter, uh, and now all of a sudden he's I think he's like third in the NFL in rushing or something like that, and he's running through everybody. So he's injured though. I think he got banged up in the last game. But Freeman's a guy that's going to present some big matchup problems for the Vikings, not only as a runner. Uh but he's a lot kind of like I'm trying to find a comparison. It's not like Matt Forte, but he he's used kind of the same way where he's used out of the backfield as a receiver. I believe he's caught fifty balls this year already, or forty or something like that. So uh they're using him in different ways and he's gonna stress the linebackers and, and they got a lot of different weapons. But you're right, you think Julio Jones and, and you think that's it, but uh they got some guys that are they're taking well advantage well advantage yeah. up there in Atlanta.
2: Well, and Freeman from my understanding has to clear the concussion protocol before he could play on Sunday. But the early word out of Atlanta is that um, they're optimistic that that'll happen. So, I mean, that's another weapon for that offense that even though it hasn't been performing well lately, there's still some, there's certainly a challenge there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime you got Matt Ryan and here's the thing, I think Matt Ryan took a lot of heat last week because they lost to the Colts in the, in the closing seconds. And it was Matt Hasselbeck of all people uh, the 40-year-old quarterback who leads the Colts back and still one of my favorite moments of all time in, in the NFL is when Matt Hasselbeck did the 2003 in the playoffs. We want the ball and we're going to score in overtime and threw a pick oh, six yeah. to Al Harris on the first play. And, um, but who would have thought 12 years later, he's leading a win for the Colts over the Falcons and, and Matt oh, Ryan yes. had thrown a, a Matt Ryan thought through a pretty egregious interception there toward the end that kind of, uh, put, put the Falcons in the tank in that game. Even so, he's a quarterback that's not really known to kind of go in the tank like that. You really got to watch out because he's so talented and he's so smart and he gets the ball out quick. And he's got such good weapons on the outside. Even even though Roddy White's not what he used to be, I mean, he's still good. You got Leonard Hankerson. You got uh, Julio Jones, obviously. So they got a lot of weapons to go to. And um, then they got the tight end, Jacob Tammy. So at the same time, they still got a lot of guys. And when you got that quarterback, as good as he's been in the past, you always got to watch out because – you know, you kind of, it's almost like waking a sleeping giant. Like you just don't want to kind of like, like Rogers, everyone thought he was struggling and then he goes in and just makes these ridiculous throws on the run to beat the Vikings uh, at TCF Bank stadium. So uh, yeah, with Matt Ryan, you, you can never really sleep. And I think with this Vikings defense, they're going to really have to try and stop the run first after they got torched by Eddie Lacey and then try to get after the quarterback. Cause that's kind of what their MO is. Sure.
2: Now Everson Griffin and Harrison Smith mispractice on Wednesday. Obviously, Smith returned to the game after his left knee injury on Sunday against the Packers, but is uh you miss either Man, one versus that andrew that's uh that's tough to overcome,
1: yeah, that was brutal though that injury to Harrison Smith. I mean it seems though that they've kind of avoided uh, any kind of big catastrophic injury if he's already able to kind of talk about it and not not feel as bad. Uh, even though he didn't practice today, you're right. That'd be tough, because imagine then you're starting Robert Bland and Anderson Deho at safety.
0: <laughs> and
1: so, I mean, anybody who's followed this team long enough goes, okay, well, you know, this is already a position where they only have one solid starter. So to take away that guy, that would totally kill him on the back end, and it would change. That would have a ripple effect, too, on what they're able to do in coverages uh, they wouldn't be able to be as, uh, I would imagine, Mike Zimmer wouldn't be as flexible uh, with their, both of their safeties had they not had Harrison Smith. But if you go back and look at the game on Sunday, Terrence Newman, not only did he get beat on the 27-yard touchdown uh, to, to James Jones and did he get that 50-yard pass interference penalty, He's the one who actually caused Harrison Smith's knee injury. When you go back and look at it, uh, I think he kind of, they go for a dead ball, and and Harrison just kind of planted his left leg, and Terrence Newman totally hyperextended it by just kind of diving for the ball and then slamming into Harrison's leg. Mm -hmm. So if if they're without him, that's another one of those kind of self-inflicted wounds that they have from Sunday.
2: Harrison talked about the injury on Wednesday before practice, and he basically said, yeah, it was a post-play injury, but as the saying goes, stuff happens. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to stop him for did he, a second. Did he, did he use that word? Yeah, I want to stop and say, that's not the phrase. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's it, We don't have a bleep button on this particular podcast, Andrew, so I won't use what the actual phrase is, but it's not stuff.
1: No, it's not, and that was something that uh, I think... I think not only that play, but the entire game, the Vikings had to walk away and go, "Well, beat happens," you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that's something where it—it it was just such a—it was a game where, because you look at it, they outgained the Packers and and mm-hmm. they moved the ball better, in my opinion. It was just Aaron Rodgers made some ridiculous plays, but yeah, and moving they let forward, the
2: score on five of seven drives—that's all she wrote.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're yeah, first five of the first seven drives that that was bad, but you look now at the Falcons. They're not moving the ball as well. I think they've only averaged something like 17 and a half points over the last five games. Um, but at the same time, the Vikings have to get back on track and be fundamentally sound in what they're doing, and they can't afford to go down the tank. Because here's the thing, too, in the bigger picture, uh, and Mike Zimmer, I'm sure, has cautioned this plenty of times, in that. You know, once you slip into one loss, you kind of get into that funk, and it's very real in the NFL because you're not playing games every day. It's not like basketball. It's not like baseball where you really can just kind of be like, okay, new slate. Yeah, it's you know, it's all over. It's when you're going through the week and the progressions and stuff that weighs on your mind, especially a game that was that big with the Packers, where that was a chance that the Vikings really could have kind of put their foot down and, and really taken control of the NFC North. Mm-hmm. And he just saw that we were, they weren't growing up for it. They weren't ready for it. And and I think now, just like I said, it's a good chance for them now to get back on track here in Atlanta. But, man, if they have a letdown there, and then, like I said, they go into the two-game stretch over five days with NFC South opponents, that, that's tough. And so I think yeah. this is, you know, you're never going to call it a must-win, but it's it's one where it's, a, it's more of a gimme than what they got coming up.
2: Yeah, it's it's tricky because of the point of the schedule the Vikings are in right now. We knew... They were going to have to log some wins, but then suddenly they go through that soft stretch, five wins in a row, and all of a sudden you're talking about one of the teams that's really being taken seriously in the NFC. Um, I don't view this as they've taken a step back necessarily so much as, well, they just hit kind of the tricky part in their schedule, and we'll see how they respond the next three weeks.
1: That's the big thing. We'll figure out who they are, And, and I think they're catching Atlanta at the right time. Um, but at the same time, you're right. We're going to find out who they are because they they beat what I thought was a pretty good Oakland team on the road, and Adrian went just hog wild. And so now you look at this game coming up. You you want to see Adrian do the same thing, um, but you want to see Teddy kind of get that going like he did against Green Bay. You want to see him get going early. I like what Norv Turner did. He adjusted to more of a quick passing game, and I want to see them latch onto that. Even though, because the thing is, they kind of got away from it after the first because they script, you know, the first fifteen couple series, whatever fifteen plays. And you you could tell it was scripted in, that they wanted to get a short passing game going. You saw the quick stop routes on the outside. You saw the quick screen stuff. And that was good. It got Teddy into a rhythm. And I think that's what Teddy prefers, is to do that kind of short stuff, because it does get him into a rhythm. And then all of a sudden they got away from it, and they started doing the five-step, seven-step drops, and then he starts getting annihilated. And Mm -hmm. Atlanta's pass rush is not, not as... Here's the thing. It's tough for me to say they're not a good pass rush because Green Bay's really isn't either. And and so then when I looked at that, I thought, man, Green Bay hadn't sacked anybody in three games. And all of a sudden they just put the wall up on Minnesota. So Minnesota is such – the Vikings are such a, a poorest offensive line. And I've said this on the radio podcast. It's not because of effort. It's because of talent. Half of these guys should not be starters. And because of that, you need to be wary of every single pass rush you face because on any given day, anybody could take advantage of it because they're really not that good. The Vikings are up front. So Atlanta's only got 12 sacks on the season. That's one of the worst in the league. They're not taking down quarterbacks. But at the same time, you could have said the same thing about the Packers, and they absolutely jumped on them. So I think Atlanta's probably going to look at what Green Bay did and try to do some of the same stuff. A lot of pre-snap motions, a lot of varied blitzes, trying to confuse the offensive line. And because when you look at the Vikings' losses, there's been a common theme in each one. It's that Teddy Bridgewater's been annihilated. It was it was five sacks, I believe, in San Francisco. It was seven against Denver, and then it was six against Green Bay. All three of those are losses, and that's 18 sacks. You can't average six sacks a game. (laughs) You can't you can't average giving that up. So is that good? uh, I think they got it. (laughs) No, it's not. It's pretty bad. Pretty bad. But you just, you can't do that. So I think that's something where the Falcons are going to see that and they're going to try and do that. And they're going to stack the box. And at the same time, you want to see Teddy get the ball out and you want to see him kind of take his next step in doing that because he's held on to it too much at times. Um, I think he's, that's another topic too, is that I don't know what you're seeing, Derek, but at times he looks kind of, I don't want to say gun shy, but he looks super worried about making a mistake. And yeah, I think that absolutely leads to a
2: you see a quarterback that knows the defense is balling out right now and knows he has Adrian Peterson behind him and thinks, man, if I throw three picks, we got no shot. Versus, don't think like that. Just try and pick up yeah, yeah. 250, 300 yards.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something where you want to see him let loose because we saw it too. We saw it at the, in the second half. All of a sudden they're down 16-6, to six, and I think Green Bay actually – um, I think Green Bay then scored a field goal and then they were down 19 to six. And then all of a sudden Teddy just let loose again. He throws the 33 yarder down the seam to Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Uh, he throws a 17 yarder on a stop route to Diggs, and you Do see him kind of let loose, fling, fling the ball. And then all of a sudden you want, and then he, he they score a touchdown. It's 19 to 13. You go, wait, why is this only happening when they're trailing by multiple scores? <laughs> and, and that's yeah. something where, yeah, you, you got to see it happen earlier in games and Atlanta's got the firepower to get a jump on you. And we just saw this on Sunday, too. The Vikings are not a good team to play from behind. Now, they came back and beat Chicago. They came back from a first quarter deficit to beat Detroit. But nobody in the NFL is fearing the Bears or the Lions. Now, to beat a good team, you need to be able to come back and match that firepower, especially when your defense is inflicting its own wounds of penalties like the Vikings were, unable to stop Eddie Lacy. And so now Atlanta presents maybe a same challenge. If Atlanta can get out in front and are very capable of doing that, uh, that's a case where then the offense for the Vikings starts to really look bad because when you get away from Adrian Peterson, then the offensive yeah. line explode in pass protection and their warts kind of flare up. And, and so I think a fast start is going to be pretty important, too, for the Vikings, like it is yeah. every week.
2: Well, that's a really gross way to put it. Their warts flaring up. <laughs> you, you mentioned Adrian Peterson going hog wild in Oakland. I watched that Raiders game. Would you mind explaining to me where the term hog Wild came from?
1: Oh um, I, I don't know actually. Uh, yeah, I don't I know either what, Adrian might actually be better suited to answer that because I'm <laughs> guessing that's more of a uh, I'm guessing that's more of a term that's not used in Minnesota. Let me just put it that way.
2: Yeah, I haven't heard that one. I, I guess I know what you mean by it. But let me ask you, against this defense and given Teddy Bridgewater's at least recent shortcomings and those of the offensive line, does Adrian Peterson have to go hog wild for the Vikings to win this weekend?
1: Does he have to? No, he doesn't have to. No, because I think the Falcons are a team that have shown, if the Vikings can go back to what they were doing on defense, which through the five-game winning streak was playing mistake-free football, not shooting themselves in the foot, because they're not making enough plays on offense unless Peterson goes off, which he's done in a few more than a few games, or unless they're creating takeaways. And they haven't been able to do that much on defense. Yeah. They did that in two games, basically, where they were able to create multiple takeaways. Uh, and both of those games were decisive victories for the Vikings. It was in against San Diego, obviously thirty-one to thirteen or something, and then it was in Oakland where they won thirty to fourteen. So those were the only games where the the defense was able to kind of change uh the momentum of it, change the outcome on the scoreboard, uh, besides from just keeping the opponent's score down because they don't they're not creating enough plays. So that means they have to play mistake free football. And once they start uh, getting penalties Once they start doing the uh, late, you know, Linval Joseph shoving Aaron Rodgers to the ground, once they start doing that kind of dumb stuff, that's where uh, better offenses, in which I believe Atlanta still is one of the better offenses in the league. They just haven't necessarily shown it recently. That's when one of the better offenses can jump on you. So I don't think Adrian has to. It's just if the defense can go back to what they were doing, then the offense with Teddy and Adrian should be able to do enough to to overcome uh, any kind of deficiencies they have up front. So if you can score 20 points and the Vikings defense goes back to doing what they were doing, then you're fine. Then you win another close game like you've been doing. Uh, it's just if you want it to be more of a decisive win and you want to kind of put your foot down, uh, Adrian either has to go off or the defense has to create turnovers. And both of those aren't sure things of happening. But we saw what Adrian's capable of doing. Uh, he just needs to get the ball more. Adrian's a guy who's always been better in the second half. He's always been better as defenses wear down. And for Norv to get away from him as much as he did on Sunday, I applaud Adrian for speaking up because even though it's it's commonplace and people who cover the team say, "Oh yeah, it's Adrian. Yeah, it's, it's no surprise there." It's something that I think you don't see enough from players, and I think he's right. I think he needed to get the ball more in that game, and I don't think anybody with the Vikings would disagree with that.
2: So we got two segments left, Andrew, and I'll let you pick the order. We got to pick the well. I was gonna say score. We got to pick the winner. And then we got to yeah. do where we at here. So,
1: we're, uh, that's right. We're doing our where. Let's do where we at first.
2: Okay, where we at with rookie cornerback Trey Waynes.
1: <laughs> that's right. You saw Aaron Rodgers go after Terrence Newman, and that was surprising to me, kind of, because I saw Xavier Rhodes was struggling a little bit. But if you remember the last time Aaron Rodgers faced Xavier Rhodes, he was a nightmare. He was deflecting passes left and right. He had a cue, a couple key deflections on uh, Jordy Nelson in that uh, November 2014 game. And so then you fast forward a year, and all of a sudden Rodgers is throwing at Captain Munnerlin, he's throwing at Terrence Newman. And the entire time I'm seeing what the Vikings were doing and kind of playing man coverage with Xavier Rhodes the entire time. And then the other two corners, he was almost doing what they were doing last year. They were basically kind of a, a mixture of zones and with the safety over the top. And ideally what Mike Zimmer wants to do with her defense, which is why they drafted Trey Wayne, is to play man up across the board. You got him, you got him, let's go do it. He likes to play physical man coverage. He likes to simplify those things on the back end uh, in turn so he can disguise them. I mean, these guys are some of the best, in, in my opinion, at disguising the coverage on the back end. And they're only able to do that if what they're doing is somewhat simple instead of just saying, okay, now we need Munderland, we need Newman, and we need Harrison over the top then to cover three guys because we're not good enough in coverage individually. Now, when is Trey going to get in there? Behind the scenes, the Vikings like what they've been seeing from him. He's been progressing. You see him kind of get in there a little bit in games, and he's doing well. Uh, Save for that one penalty he had against the Rams, that was kind of a backbreaker in the fourth quarter. That's just been his only penalty in about 90 snaps in the NFL through the regular season. And so they like what they've seen from him. They like what he brings to the table. He brings that speed that Terrence Newman does not have. We saw it against uh, Jeff Janis in Green Bay where – uh, Newman was kind of playing the sticks. It was third and 15. Uh, he saw Janice kind of fake out to the right. So he kind of, he kind of jumped that route thinking Rogers is going to throw at the sticks to try and get a first down. Then Janis blows right by him. And then that's how that 50 yard pass interference was. So I don't think that happens to Waynes if he's playing technically sound because Wayne's is faster and can keep up with him. So when this Vikings defense kind of reaches its potential, when you get these young guys in there, you're not going to be able to be exposed like that if Wayne's and Rhodes can play the way you expect them to. So right now, Terrence Newman is playing well enough for a seven and three football team that it's pretty difficult for the coaching staff to just say, "Okay, well, we're going to throw this rookie in there and have him take his growing pains now." When all of a sudden, wait a minute, mm-hmm. we're not going to say this, but we're kind of ahead of the, the curveball, or we're kind of ahead of the eight ball here in what we're doing. You know, we're, we're all of a sudden seven and three, we're in contention for the NFC North crown. Is it worse than throwing somebody in there? Because you could do that with Eric Kendricks when you're 2-2 two and two at the beginning of the season, which is what they did. Then they threw Eric Kendricks in there, and then, hey, you he played very well, and that's great. You don't know that with Trey Waynes. And in my opinion, corner is a harder position for a young guy to learn, especially from college to the NFL jump, than linebacker is. And so I've gotten a lot of questions, a lot of people saying, well, what what, what, is, what is wrong with this here? We just saw Rodgers go after a 37-year-old corner. Why can't our first-round pick get in there? it's because they got too much on the table right now. There's too much to risk to just throw a rookie in there, in my opinion, unless you're just totally sure, or unless Terrence Newman starts going in the tank and gets exposed. But then all of a sudden Terrence Newman gets two picks in Oakland, plays one of his best games of the season, maybe of his past few years. All of a sudden that revives any kind of lost confidence he would have had in his speed. And so the way he's played week to week, you got to keep Newman in there because he is the kind of, uh, more steady, reliable corner. Even though he lacks, what he lacks physically, he makes up for fundamentally, technique-wise. He understands the system. He's very smart. All those things make up for what he's kind of lost at 37 years old. And they're playing such close games right now that don't be fooled in thinking that one penalty cannot change a game. For instance, if Trey Wayne played the entire game, loses his technique in the fourth quarter, big pass interference flag, and all of a sudden you lose the game on a late field goal. Those things happen with this team because of how close they're playing games. And so where we're at right now with Trey Wayne is that Terrence Newman is playing well enough to keep his spot. And because they're 7-3, and three, you do have to balance that risk-reward of playing a rookie. Yeah,
2: I like what you said. Ahead of the eight ball. Way to take a cliche and turn it on its face.
1: I want to know where that one comes from, actually, behind the eight ball. Because aren't you always behind it when you're reading it? Or does that mean? Oh, does that mean then you're behind the prediction? No, isn't it?
2: Isn't it from pool? So you're playing pool and your cue ball is caught behind the eight ball. So if you're trying to make a shot, you want to be clear of that eight ball. Have the angle.
1: Oh, see, I was not a billiards player, so I wouldn't Mm, know. When you're behind
2: the eight ball, it's uh, it's a much more difficult shot.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So let me ask you this.
2: Just in in summary of Trey Wayne's Terrence Newman, fair to say that the veteran is more of a lower ceiling but higher floor right now, and that's what the Vikings are taking.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. You're that's that's a great way to describe it because, yeah, you know, what I just said was that yeah, you you can't you can't give up and you can't risk that. Even though you know Trey, you believe Trey is going to be great eventually down the road, you want to get him his run. If they were four and five right now instead of seven and three, I firmly believe he'd be starting. But because okay. they're seven and three, because Terrence Newman's not your future, he's obviously not. Uh, Trey Wayne's is your future, and so, but right now they're they're kind of mortgaging. You know, they're putting the future ahead and, and keeping it there because they're winning right now. And so I think that's why Terrence Newman's in there. So you're right. It, it is because he's got that higher floor.
2: Cool. Well, that's where we're at, Andrew. What do you got for a winner this weekend?
1: I have to go and even though I picked the Vikings last week, which drops me out of seven and three on the prediction, um I, I gotta go with the Vikings again because I think what Mike Zimmer has shown if you look at it, this team bounces back well and they have at least from losses. Uh now Denver they had the bye week afterward and they didn't play Kansas City very well, but we've actually seen in the past few weeks the Chiefs are a pretty damn good team, even without mm-hmm. Jamal Charles. So I think that was a tougher game, but you saw them, how they bounced back from San Francisco. I think they're going to rebound well again. I think they'll go into Atlanta, control the clock with Adrian. I think they're going to get back to what they did playing defense and stake free. I think they'll take advantage of Atlanta's inability to hold on to the football. And uh, I got the Vikings winning, you know, something like 24 to 17.
2: Well, you know, I don't pick scores. It wouldn't be fun for our listeners uh, to know <laughs> the score before the game happens. But I do like what we've been doing recently, Andrew, where I give a pick, and it's not really clear if I'm predicting the real score or just trying to throw people off.
1: Oh, I, oh, yes, of course, because I think you haven't given a score, though, since you picked it, right? Right, I guess the I should have right. said Yes, yep. That's My true. So week... you picked him, You Wait, did you pick them right last week? I forgot.
2: Well, see, that's the point. You just, it's, it's better not to bring it up because then people will start to learn the pattern of real pick, fake pick, real pick, fake pick. You got it right, didn't you? Didn't, didn't were we split? I, I don't know, man. You just got to throw them off the scent every once in a while. Okay. <laughs> this weekend I'm taking Atlanta. I don't know if Devonte Freeman's going to play, but then again, I don't know if Harrison Smith's going to play. So I'm not picking injuries. Point. I'm saying two teams that I sort of perceive to be fairly evenly matched right now. I tend to lean towards the home team. And like I said at the beginning, Andrew, both of these teams kind of have something from which they need to rebound. I think yeah. Atlanta's is a longer stretch of time that they'll need to rebound. But uh, I, st- I, I still I got to go with the home team. I know Matty Ice has not been Matty Ice lately. But just given the fact that, that both teams have something to prove here, there's obviously a lot of playoff. Uh, sort of implications that you talked about off the bat. I don't know, man. I just got the feeling of Atlanta this weekend uh, taking the home team in a in a matchup that I perceive to be fairly even.
1: Yeah, and that's tough because even though the Vikings would be seven and four at that point, that's a seven and four and facing quite a daunting hill with right. Seattle and Arizona coming up. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that you're, you. I mean, your points are valid. I get it, the, I get it. The Vikings I think you're doing... need to
2: win, don't get me wrong, uh, but yeah. the Falcons kind of need to win too.
1: Wait, are you saying that it's a crazy league and that both teams are trying to win? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: no, because I think that's a cliche. I try to steer clear of those as often as I
1: possibly can.
2: Two defensive gurus, Mike Zimmer, Dan Quinn. Give me Dan Quinn in this one
1: nice nice all right well we'll be split on this one again and we'll see what happens all right well i think that's going to be it then for this episode of the purple podcast i want to thank you guys for checking into the website please check back to podcast one in the app go ahead download that again and then check back to 1500 espn.com
0: hi this is chris Howard, host of plug to chris Howard, university of michigan qb jj mccarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them and ohio state kicker noah ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in buckeye lore Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team. You lose as a team. We cry. We console our brother. We don't point a finger. We go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard.